Hey everyone, Saul Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing, production, show notes, transcripts, and operations? What if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage? Let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez is here. And today I have the privilege of hosting Amanda DeMano. She is the vice president at Avia Health Innovation. And she comes to healthcare with a wide array of experiences, having spent many years at Deloitte Consultant as a healthcare consultant, then spending many years in healthcare as a provider executive focused on delivering value to the healthcare system through digital innovation and strategic programs. And she's really focused on the intersection of improving outcomes and digital health in medicine. As we all know, with the things that we've been faced with, covid uh, just the challenges and revenue streams. It's super important to understand how digital is going to help us address the challenges that are in front of us. And today, Amanda's going to share some of the some of the thoughts that she's been thinking about, as well as programs that they've been kicking off at Avia. So, Amanda, it's such a pleasure to have you join us today. Hi, thanks, Saul. Thanks for having me. A true pleasure. And, and so, before we dive into the work that you're doing at Avia, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and, and what inspires your work in healthcare. Yeah, um, my roots, you know, I'm really fascinated by medical science, you know, the pace at which we can learn new things about, you know, disease and human response and health and wellness. You know, we learn so many things every day. Uh, it's just staggering and more than any one person can really keep up with. So there's always been a, a lot to, to learn in this space. But uh, particularly uh, my role in tech, you know, um, tech has promised to help us with that problem. Uh, never more evident than in the, the this uh, COVID pandemic. But on average, it takes 17 years for um, research science to prove that a particular treatment or intervention works um, mm. to address a problem, but to actually adopt it into standard practice you know, 17 years, you know, that's my inspiration. That's my KPI. Uh, we can and we can uh, have to do better in, in, uh, in before I wrap my career. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's definitely way too long. And, you know, this, this period of time that we've had dealing with coronavirus, a lot of those timelines have been accelerated and we've proven to ourselves that we could do better. So talk to us a little bit about how you and, and your team at Avia are adding value to the healthcare ecosystem. Yeah, so um, Avia has created a, a network of health systems and become uh, the leading partner for digital transformation um, in healthcare for provider systems and now payers. Uh, we're solving problems, not digital, implementing digital for the sake of digital, but really exploring challenges that health systems face, you know, the evidence-based models of care and standards of operations that solve for those problems um, and how digital can actually be applied. We generally organize our work across three centers. So the first being uh, um, operations transformation. 
So how can I introduce uh, tech related to AI, machine learning, robotic processing, and other digital innovations to my REM cycle processes or HR and hiring or supply chain? The second center is around um, our center for consumerism. So as you and I both probably experienced, there's been this uh, boom of access and availability to virtual visits, online scheduling, online triage, um, and just more connected communication. So we as patients and um, our consumers in this business and with choice, you know, comes some high bars for setting uh, how do you steer uh, patients into a health system or to connect with their care team uh, more effectively and the consumers are going to follow choices in which they have better experiences. And then our third center is the one I, I primarily work in, which is our Center for Care Transformation. Uh, we think there about, um, again, how we can apply digital to evidence-based care models to really scale and make those things possible. So shortening that 17-year gap because it isn't 17 years because it takes that long to know. It's like it takes that long to operationalize. So how can digital help you scale those things and make them possible without the burden of the human labor and um, other things? that hold us back and our barriers to, to adoption. Yeah, some some great areas of work there, Amanda. And, you know, it's cool to see that you guys are also focused on payers now as well. You know, for a long time, I think you guys were only focused on the providers, right? That's correct. Yeah. But we really have found, you know, we all understand and get the joke on misaligned incentives <laughs> between <laughs> payers and providers. Uh, but we think by adding payers into our network, we can actually help um, payers understand awesome the challenges that providers have and how we can work together on making more strategic investments that actually solve problems on both sides. Mm, I think that's a great call. Uh, and, and so as you think about what you guys do different or better than what's available, in particular to the care transformation uh, area, what would you say that is? Yeah, so uh, we have a little bit of a different model. Like while we could be um, misconstrued as a traditional services firm that provides consulting services on these topics, uh, we actually have a different model. Uh, we offer a membership and create a membership into this network. So when you join Avia, you have access to our network of, of learning, uh, which we've defined uh, and given language to the overwhelming marketplace of digital. We also can share stories across the network and help uh, so that the same traps and pitfalls aren't experienced at, at other health systems. So when you have a question of like, how do I, we have a network that can answer it and tell you who's gone before. So we have a, a, a wide variety of members, you know, these aren't just the most innovative health systems in the country. We have those. We have the big ones that are um, really out there changing the world. But we also have the small local community health systems and those who serve more vulnerable populations. So we've created a network and um, the premise is that we, you know, there are ways to tailor the work towards every organization, but fundamentally we all have the same work to do. And so this network effect can help us accelerate transformation. Yeah, you know, it's it's great. And and oftentimes we don't do that networking. There's not a lot of best practice sharing. And, you know, frankly, a big reason I started the podcast was to help healthcare leaders share their best practices and, and make a forum. So I think it's so great that you guys are enabling this connection hub where, you know, providers could learn from each other. And I mean, with the challenges that we're seeing today with 
you know, shortages and supplies for basic PPE equipment. You know, it just, I think those types of things could be really valuable. Any wins there through the COVID period? Yeah, uh, we have been able to share, you know, we scrambled like everyone else to adopt uh, some of what we could provide the market when COVID hit. And we were sharing uh, lessons about not only access to PPE, but how do you regionally share access of available ICU beds? You know, how do I get some transparency across health systems that don't share um, that in a really transparent way. Um, We also help the market understand the digital triage tools. So if a patient's experiencing symptoms, you know, you don't want them to walk through your ED department, but how do you communicate with your patients, create these drive-through testing sites? Uh, What digital could help you be more efficient in the COVID response? So we spend um, the first few months really sharing lessons and and, uh, exploring what also digital solution companies were offering to the market because several of them, um, you know, just for the good of humanity, started offering free uh, versions or lighter versions of their software that could immediately deployed uh, towards these COVID use cases. Yeah, some really useful uh, examples there. Is there one particular thing that you could call out as, hey, you know what, this is an example of how we're improving outcomes or, or making business better? Yeah, so the work I do in the Center for Care Transformation, we have um, a double click in that work that is for our mm-hmm. Medicaid and vulnerable populations. Mm-hmm. Um, Avia, along with Andy Slavitt, you know, former director of CMS under Obama administration, um, started um, the Medicaid transformation project on the premise that, uh, you know, if we bound together and really understood the problems of caring for vulnerable populations, how might we find the care models that work and the digital that improves the outcomes? Uh, one of a, you know, our, our outcomes. So in about 18 months of working on that project. Um, we just released our phase one report and we had over 140 actions taken across our 30 members who leaned into the Medicaid work where, you know, we made some step of improvement that wouldn't have otherwise been made. Um, one example uh, is one of our member organizations adopted a community resource referral platform. So when you think about um, Medicaid and vulnerable populations, you often can imagine a scenario in which they're uh, visiting and frequenting emergency departments for either ambulatory sensitive encounters or just a, a place to get and address their social needs. So food, um, being unsheltered, uh, lack of access to transportation. Um, so how could health systems um, adopt community resource referral platforms to make sure that we can actually address the social needs of our patients? How do we steer them to community organizations that are available, um, things like food pantry or accelerate enrollment and SNAP food programs? You know, um, health systems actually in making investments in these social um, needs can actually save the health system money and improve margin on caring for the vulnerable populations. Yeah, it's a, it's a big one, you know, and, and I think more than ever, like there's so much groundwork laid now to sort of take advantage of that. And it seems like states like California are kind of ahead of the game for paying like things like this, but there's so much that we don't know, right? How to actually, you know, take advantage of, you know, policies that might be in place to, to actually work this out. So I think it's really interesting that you guys are focused here. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we we know from research that social outcomes are actually, you know, 60, maybe up to 80% of what makes up um, health outcomes. And so we can keep on, you know, applying the best medical interventions. But if we're not meeting the social needs of our patients, you know, it's been a big topic in the news lately, the disparities in the health system and who is impacted by 
COVID as an example the most. Um, it's our vulnerable mm-hmm. populations and it's um, multifactorial. But one of the issues is that, you know, the thing that can change health outcomes the most is not being addressed in uh, most communities. Yeah, that's a big, it's a big deal. And so, so glad you guys are spending time there and helping health systems and payers address these things. As you reflect on on the work that you guys have done there, Amanda, I feel like we we often learn more from our setbacks. Do you have any you want to share and a key learning that maybe came from one of them? <laughs> um, it's funny because I, I I'll share with you not a particular event, but maybe uh-huh. the first the first half of my career. Um, you know, I, I spent most of my uh, time prior to joining Avia. Uh, tackling the, the the big wave that was EHR implementation. And mm-hmm. while they're, you know, fundamental to everything we need to do and, and uh, electronic health records are just so necessary, um, I feel like uh, complicit in um, the lack of human-centered design and really leveraging the tech to work for clinicians. You know, I, I um, when I was making a decision to actually leave uh, the provider organization I worked with and move to Avia, I had a conversation with this um, physician who kind of dabbled in tech and, and he had, um, he was working on a small project in which they were sending text messages to women who um, were diagnosed with postpartum depression. And the text messages were automated and uh, moms would fill out a survey um, on a daily basis and how they were feeling. And when he told me a story that one of the moms in the program had uh, responded and the algorithm picked up that she may be struggling and may need some intervention, his eyes lit up. And when he told me that he got this automated alert to his phone and he was able to click on a link and call the patient and actually have a conversation with that mom and intervene in her struggle and get her the help she needed in real time. That to me, seeing his excitement and understanding that providers just really want to get back to patient care and they don't want to be burdened by, you know, the tech that we've put on them so far, it can be better, really um, helped me decide what I wanted to do in my the second half of my career. That's awesome. Yeah. And you think about how, you know, some of these systems that, that exist, right? Like you think about that basic interaction of, you know, that mom that reached out and a quick response, like how much of that is already layered into banking or Amazon or, you know, stuff that we just buy, <laughs> you know? <it's, laughs> yes. Yes, I mean, I I can um, pre-pandemic, I was a frequent user of Waze. You know, oh, I felt okay, like yeah. it was my guide to get me to work the fastest way possible. <laughs> I love sometimes Waze. not so much, but yeah, it's a good tech. Um, but can you believe that you know we don't have a Waze like equivalent for someone who you know wants to, has to navigate a, a surgical specialty? You know, it gets know. referred from a primary care, and then you're bounced through this pattern of of um, hits and misses of scheduling your appointments and your tests and your procedure. Like there just has to be a ways for that, right? <laughs> totally. Totally. Well, and you, you hit the nail on the head, right? Providers want to help. Uh, you know, physicians want to be there to, to help people. And, you know, all this technology we've put on top of things hasn't really fixed anything. And it's exciting to hear that you guys are, are hyper-focused on on the transformation of care, whether it's COVID and beyond, you guys are, are doing a great job. What would you say you're, you're most excited about today, Amanda? I think the uh, digital adoption post-COVID, uh, you know, while the pandemic itself is 
so tragic. Um, you know, you almost couldn't have um, dreamed up um, a crisis that would have given so much uh, attention and fuel to digital transformation in healthcare. Um, you know, ultimately, only 14% of organizations across any industry will emerge stronger after a market downturn. But the organizations that really can um, use what they've been gifted in in their digital assets and tune them and make them better and continue the story and continue the work. Thankfully, it, it seems that CFOs really get it and, and mo- the large majority of them will continue to, to invest in this area. Uh, but, you know, I'm really excited about the opportunity from here. Yeah, it really is exciting. And, you know, thankfully, organizations like yours, leaders like yourself are, are helping accelerate it even faster. So why don't you leave us all with, uh, with the closing thought, something that we, we could think about and act on and then maybe the best place the listeners could reach out to you or, or the team to continue the conversation. Yeah. So um, if you are at all inspired by anything we talked about today and need help evangelizing this in your organization, you know, we know change is hard. We know that not every leader in an organization really is in on the joke and gets it and understands the digital innovation that needs to happen. But, you know, we have a solution for that. We know how to speak with um, boardrooms. We know how to uh, help you get this message out in your own organization and you don't have to do it alone. There's a whole network behind your back of insights and assets that are much more cost effective than you know our traditional services and, and statements of work um, in the consulting industry. So if you're interested, uh, please reach out to us at info at or we're at, at uh, Health Avia on Twitter. Love it. Amanda, thank you so much. Uh, just the incredible insights you've shared and uh, really appreciate uh, all that you guys are doing. Yeah, thanks again for having me, Saul. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.